go. Hey, everybody. It's Richard Harris, and I'm here with uh, Scott Lease from Surf and Sales. We are doing our Surf and Sales podcast, and we are really excited to talk today with Sarah Drake from Directive. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so Sarah is um, from Orange County, and as I understand it, we're not allowed to say LA. We have to say Orange County because that's just the way the world works down there. Yep. That's okay. We get it. It's all right. Uh, Scott's <laughs> joining us from Austin. I'm up here in the North Bay and uh, outside San Francisco, and we're really, really excited about the Surf and Sales podcast, so thank you for joining us. Um, before we jump into everything, you know, Sarah, uh, why, don't, why don't you share with everybody how you and I even met in the first place. Cause this is this, for me, I think this is a great story of how, how the world works these days. Sure. So uh, early on in my career, I wanted to uh, build up my network with sales professionals in the space. So I connected with Richard Harris and was following his content. He posted a post and said, um, if you ever need any help with sales, here's my cell phone number. And I was like, bold move, put in your cell phone number on, the internet, like, okay. He said, call me. I bet you people won't call me. I'm always up for a good challenge. So my colleague, Kyle and I, we called him, but he didn't answer. So I kind of was like, should I let's kind of mess with him and see, it'll be memorable. Let's do that. So I left a voicemail pretending like he was a doctor. So I said, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Harris, um, 15 minutes after my scheduled appointment and, uh, the office door is locked. I'm, I'm kind of confused what's going on here. I have an, an appointment with you. Pause. And I was like, just kidding. It's Sarah Drake and Kyle Willis from directive. Saw your post on LinkedIn. We've been connected for a while. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, pick your brain, uh, get some feedback from you on what we're currently working on. And so now I refer to him as Dr. Harris and we've just kind of uh, built this relationship over time. And so I just think, that is a hysterical origin story. Uh, one of my favorite from early on in this job too. So that's that's great. <laughs> that feeds Richard. Scott was rolling his eyes because he hates when I do that because I watched him do it once and then I've taken it to a yeah. whole other level. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't ask people to call me. I asked people to text me. There you go. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a little bolder than Scott. But that's well, maybe because there's also a generational thing there. I'm a little younger and hipper. You still use the phone. <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, so I, I want to um, go a little bit back. I know Scott, you had a question for Sarah about her origin story, so I'll sort of let you start there. Yeah, I'm just I'm just always fascinated in general by how people got into sales. You know, I've sort of always said that um, sales is like this garbage can of, of jobs, like. Uh, we just end up there somehow. Like there's liberal arts majors and people who didn't go to school. It's like nobody really started off, you know, their, their life saying, Oh, I want to be a salesperson. Yeah. Right. So I, I love to hear how um, people got into the, the profession. So walk us through, you know, how, how you got into to sales, sir. Sure. So my first job was in restaurants. So I was a host and then a server. And so I didn't really, in hindsight, I'm like, that really was sales because, I mean, yeah. it's very much like cold calling. You don't know what type of table you're going to get. You don't know what's going to be thrown at you that day. And so as a server, there's just a lot of sales involved naturally between like upselling, someone wants to add chicken to their salad, or you're trying to sell them a dessert. You have sales goals. Um, if you sell a lot of food that night or whatever it is, uh, you get better shifts. And so 
uh, working in restaurants kind of gave me a taste of sales, but I didn't really look at it like that. Um, I went to Cal State Fullerton as a business major, but uh, within, um, I was more towards marketing. So I didn't have did did you get, did you have any sales courses offered to you at all in your, in your, actually, yes. Really? So I, like, yeah. And so we could take two electives and so you could take like sports marketing, you could do like some other niches in marketing, but I was like, let's do sales. I already had a little bit of sales experience in restaurants. Let's try it out. So I took two sales classes in college, but that was pretty much the extent. Um, what did they teach you in a sales course in college? So we did, it was interesting. We did some like personality assessments. We did the disc assessment. And so I am a DI, so it's like dominance and I think influence. Um, and so we would interact with other people based on their like personality type and okay, this person is much more analytical. So if you are a very like, uh, uh, a very talkative person and very emotional like you might not gel as well with them take it down a notch so those types of um, psychological sales skills super interesting and then um, just some things about sales operations uh, we actually got in and, and used salesforce a lot which i use in my job now so thank you cal state fullerton uh, <laughs> so that was cool. me and the business program at cal state fullerton had a ton of great internship options and so I saw the internship posting for Frito-Lay and I am a huge fan of like hot Cheetos, barbecue twists. I'm like, oh. I, I, let's go intern for them because they have to give the intern the free chips. Maybe I could be the taste tester or something. Oh my God. And so I originally thought the internship was marketing because I was in marketing, applied for it, got the job. They're like, Hey, so this internship is a sales internship. I was like, Oh, all right. Let's do Sarah, it. Sarah Drake, seller of Cheetos. Right? Yeah. I was like, free, like barbecue lays? I'm like your sole buyer. And so um, got the inside sales position, um, which was really more of an outside sales position, me driving around in my Ultima selling contracts to their small business unit. Um, and so that was my first taste of professional so sales. I want to I slow you down for, for a second because I want to yeah. talk a little bit about goals and goal setting and stuff. So yeah. even going back to the restaurant, you said you had sales goals. What kind of goals were those on a daily basis, right? That's a transactional sales environment, right? It's inbound leads, for lack of a better phrase. What kind of sales goals did they try to put in front of you? So a lot of them were revenue goals. So if you're selling like $800 to $1,000 worth of food in the a day. Night, um, yeah, a day. So a shift or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. how, did, did they explain to you like how they came up with that number being the meaningful kind of quota number? Just curious. Yeah, they just would no. set it really high. And, yeah. and it was a lot of times it was as a team. Like, hey, tonight we want to sell $10,000 worth of food. Um, or maybe it's a new restaurant uh, menu item that they're trying to push. Right. Let's sell 15 of these and we all get a free meal or whatever it might be. So it was always some sort of like competition or goal that we were trying to hit, whatever it might be. And did they, did they want you to push the alcohol more because the margin is higher there or how did that fit into it? Like, cause, cause you know, it, it, you have, you have different products and services for lack of a better description, right? Mm -hmm. did, they, yeah. did they care? Like we want this much revenue from this and this much revenue from food or did they, really just look at a gross revenue number. I'm just curious. Like I don't yeah, know why. They would, so they would get 
the numbers back from corporate or the like alcohol sales are down or we're just releasing this new menu item or the margin on this specific uh, menu item is really high. Let's sell this. So they would get that information. And for a lot of us, like I worked with people who were like 16, 18, 20 years old where those things might go over their head where it was just like they would turn that into a competition. Like I mentioned, like sell X amount of these. So I knew it was coming down from corporate. Um, but I wasn't super sure on the specifics of what they wanted, but they would always turn that into something that like, get a free meal or whatever it was, or like, got to sell those martinis, man. I, I want I wonder, a free dinner. <laughs> I wonder now, I wonder now that you're, you know, a few more years into your career, like when you get sales goals passed down to you from corporate or from above or, or wherever you get them from, is it, is there an explanation now? Would you, would you tolerate, do you tolerate that same kind of ambiguity? Um, you know, that, that's one of the things I think that drives a lot of sales. Well, a lot, a lot of VPs of sales nuts when they get goals handed down to them that, you know, seemingly come out of thin air. And I'm sure the same is true for directors and managers and AEs and SDRs. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, looking back on that, like, do you see anything wrong? with that and, and, and would you accept that level of ambiguity now? I mean, that's a great question and, and not something that I've really thought of before. I think when you work in a restaurant, you feel a little more like a, a cog in a machine, like just a server and there's so many different levels of management um, when you're on the front lines. And so you just, you just kind of take it because you need to or if you don't follow the rules and you, you just don't get shifts. So now I, I work in um, a more, a more lean team. So I, um, I'm very close with management in the sense that they're very transparent and very open about goals. And so comparing the two, it's really interesting as before it was like, okay, this is how a job works. It was my first job. Uh, management tells you what to do. They tell you the goals. Um, you can ask questions, but it might not be in your favor. Whereas now, uh, working in a smaller organization that's growing together, um, it's, it's really nice to have the other side of things where I can ask those questions. Um, I can be transparent with them. And, um, are they transparent back? Do they, do they say, well, Hey Sarah, that's a great question. Here's how we got to this number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'll, they'll show us the data or walk us through the data. Um, and the reasoning behind goals and a lot of time in preliminary stages, like they will come for our input because we are on the front line. So, working backwards or like what do you see on the front lines and then work towards like start to put goals in motion based on historical data but also asking us because we're the ones going out and doing the sales like what what are you hearing um are people pushing back on specific things like and then they're working the goals that way if that makes sense yeah i think that's important important for for people to hear because i don't think a lot of organizations operate like that and and if if you're in an organization that doesn't have that level of transparency, it's something to consider. You know, it's, it's something to think about whether or not you want to be there long term and whether or not you're being set up for uh, as much success as you're, as you're chasing. Mm -hmm. So how do you make the decision and why do you make the decision to leave the food services industry and go to directive where you are now as an SDR and then eventually move your way up to a senior SDR where you are now. So what, what propelled you to finally 
um, make that make that shift. It's it's a it's a story that's in, in my experience extremely common. There's a lot of salespeople who come from the the services food restaurant industry, and and many of them have been extremely successful in in, in software sales. So, what made you finally get to that place to you know pull the trigger and make the jump? Well, I was working in restaurants from late high school all the way through college, and so it was always a, a something that I could have my own money to spend and have to rely on the parents and such. And so once I, I got my degree, I was definitely thinking more full-time. And with a full-time job comes the stability. I mean, comes benefits. Um, you know what hours you're going to work, whereas serving, like, there's so many variables. Like, you didn't have a good sales, uh, your hours get cut, or uh, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, but why sales? Like you got a degree, you're young enough that, you know, in your career, you could, you could have decided, hey, I yeah. could have gone into marketing, at, you know, mm -hmm. I could go into sales, I could go into business finance or HR. Like, mm -hmm. what about sales drew you in as you started to look at your first, at your first professional gig? That's a good question. Um, I wasn't necessarily super set on sales. I, the thing was, is I knew I had real world sales experience with my internship that I mentioned earlier, yeah. but I had my degree in marketing. So I didn't necessarily have any working experience in marketing. And so I was like, okay, would it be easier for me to get a sales job with this experience or should I like rely on my degree and try to go into marketing? And so kind of how it happened is I was um, very open in my, my job searches. So I did like sales, marketing, just wanted to look at the market, wanted to see what options were available. When I saw the, open position for directive. I had a friend that I went to college with that worked here. And so I was like, that's great. I can ask him about the company, see what it's like. Um, it was a sales position. He said, love the company. I think you'd really like it here. You should try it out. My thinking behind that was if I'm going to work in sales for a marketing company, it's kind of like a hybrid of my two passions. I, they're going to have to teach me the marketing skills that I might not have used real world skills that I might not have learned um, in college and that I'd be selling those to people using my experience and my passion in kind of one hybrid role. And so that was kind of the reasoning behind why I got into sales was more of the position itself and the company itself. And that was offered at the time. Does that make sense? And yeah, it makes total sense. So I want to, um, I'm going to interrupt this story for a very funny story. Um, Sarah, you know where this story is going, I think. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Scott, you'll like this. So I was at Dreamforce this year and I was at the Emergence Capital event, thanks to Doug Landis. So shout out to Doug uh, for getting me in at the last minute. Um, and I'm just sitting there sort of watching things and I, and I happen to be sitting or standing next to uh, a good friend of mine named Danny who works over at G2 and he was with this, this woman, Hannah. And Hannah and I start talking. She's like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a sales trainer. I'm like, what do you do? She's like, I'm a director of sales and marketing. I used to be in marketing. Now I sort of run sales. I'm like, oh, I'm like, what company? She goes directive. And for a second, I couldn't, it couldn't click with me. I was like, why do I know that name? Why do I know that name? And I started talking and she's like, yeah, we've been talking about sales training. And I got to tell you, there, you know, there's this one, there's this one saleswoman who, you know, she's really, really good, but you know, sometimes I think she's like punching above her weight class and she doesn't know it, but she's really good and she's really passionate. And, uh, and you know, one time she even went so far as to like call this trainer and <laughs> talk to him and this trainer like sent this really long email back saying, Oh my God, if what you're telling me is true, you know, um, you, you your company makes a ton of mistakes. You need to look at this and you need to look at this and look at this. And she's like, 
And, you know, I, I love Sarah's passion, but who the hell is this guy to send this message back to Sarah? Like, Sarah, you don't even know this yet, do you? No. And, and I said, I said, is that woman's name Sarah Drake? And she goes, yeah. And I said, yeah, I'm the asshole. <laughs> uh, I, the universe, man, the universe. Yeah, and so, and, and, it, and the reason I tell this story is because, one, it's hilarious. But two, like, we talk about Silicon Valley being a small world or sales being a small world. But here I am at, like, the world's biggest sales conference, right? Like, literally Dreamforce. And out of sheer randomness, I'm running into somebody. Um, and Hannah and I had a good laugh about it. Like, I think, you know, I, I said, I, and I sort of called her out on it. I'm like, well, you know, you may not like what I had to say, but is it true? And she's like, well, there's another side to the story. I said, well, of course there's another side to the story, but that yeah. doesn't change the fact that, that this isn't happening or this isn't happening at least. And I said, at least perception is reality. Like mm -hmm. you may have a different opinion, but you somewhere internally, you guys got to work this stuff out, whether it's me or somebody else. So, um, I don't, I know that, you know, we met Sarah, did you know that was part of the story? I didn't know, uh, <laughs> that was part of the story, no. but, um, when I, uh, she had told me, I was like, what a small world. I mean, Dreamforce is not yeah. a small conference. That no. is for sure. No. So no. the odds of that. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so yeah, so I'm, so I'm that guy who sent that email to your, to you, who then you shared with your boss, who then was like, who does this person think he is? Who's this Richard guy? Um, Anyway, I want to come back to your story a little bit more about um, sales. And, and the one thing I want to point out to other people who are listening or watching, which is, you know, I love that you sort of said, hey, I'm coming out of college. I've got this degree in marketing. I think about sales. I think there's a lot of people in that world, right, um, coming out of college, and they're not really sure where to go. And the one thing I want to remind people, too, and, and this is for executives as well, uh, for those of you hiring or moving into the SDR role, you know, that's your gateway drug. Like that's your gateway into this business world. And just because you start out at 20, whatever in as an SDR doesn't mean you have to go into sales, right? Nobody cares. Like your job is to go in and do your job and do it well, and then earn the right to go and say, well, I want to go into marketing now. Right. Um, so I just want to make sure that people understand that the SDR role, at least in my opinion, isn't sales only and companies love to present it that way for career advancement but that's very short-sighted on their part. So I wanted to sort of, one, pause and give you that advice, Sarah, but two, also to, to those listening, like, don't think SDR means you can only go to an AE role, so. But also, but also make sure you, you heard what Richard said when he said, earn the right. Because I think we've all been around people who, who come in in a particular role, really want this other role, and then after like two weeks or one good performance, like, okay, I want to go to this other role now. And that's, that's not the right way to, to maneuver. Right? And tenure doesn't matter either. I don't care if you've been there a year or two years. If someone else comes in and does it faster and better than you, I have to respect that. So, you know, mm -hmm. tenure, tenure matters a little bit, but not as much. So, so Sarah, I want to, I want to shift a little bit, um, sort of move, you know, you, you started doing some, some of your own social branding, right? You've, you've spent some time on LinkedIn, either writing posts, responding to people, doing videos a little bit. Like, what was your first thing to go, okay, I'm going to try this. Like what made you even go, I think this is part of the game. I had always loved social media, like whether it be Instagram, Snapchat, I just love that you can connect with anyone across the world and stay in contact with people, uh, your good friends or what have you. And so when I first started this uh, career, I, I 
saw people posting all the time, other SDRs posting. And I was like, why am I spending my time on all these other social medias that aren't going to move my career? So what I did was I, this is actually kind of funny. I deleted all other social media from my phone, not the accounts, but deleted yes. the apps. And only, so I, that. Wanted, I wanted to like try it out. And so I only had LinkedIn on my phone. And so if I wanted to go on social media. I wanted to like post, comment, and do all the things that I love to do on the other platforms. I would only allow myself to do it on LinkedIn. And so that kind of spurred me to always comment on people's stuff. They would comment back in mine. I would meet people like you. And I was like, this platform, yes, it, it's a business platform, but that doesn't mean you can't get the same human connection and do the same things that you're doing on the other on the other platforms on this platform. So the more I started to comment, like I call it a, the snowball effect. It's like the more I commented, the more people commented back, the more likes my post got, the like more conversations I was having, the more people I was meeting, the more like podcasts I was able to be on or zoom calls um, of learning from people. And so I think it all started with me just like heads down, putting everything I could into the platform. So that's how it started. Scott, you chimed in when you heard she's cut out all the other social media. <laughs> explain that a little bit, right? Like, like, cause you know, explain it particularly to me since you're so much younger than me. Uh, <laughs> right? Well, there's, there's, there's two schools of thought for me. And one of them is just like trying to eliminate distractions and, and all about the, the efficiency and all that. Right. Um, and I think that that for the purposes of, of this conversation, that's like the main reason that I, that I love it. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've tried to give that advice to people who work for me. Um, you know, don't have to delete your account. Just like take it off your phone. Right. Stop. I tell people all the time, like stop looking at videos on Instagram and start connecting with people on LinkedIn. You know, people are always asking me like, how did you get so many connections on LinkedIn? And, and you know, your posts get looked at so much. I'm like, well, I don't, I made a point to make a habit out of connecting with people, not goofing around on, you know, Snapchat and Instagram and all of these kind of things. So, YouTube. Um, and yeah, all of it. So like I've deleted every, I'm like deleted, deleted. I'm down to Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and I'm, I'm like 95% sure I'm deleting Facebook altogether on January 1st. Um, and then there's like the other part of me that it is just like going to get riled up about politics and how, you know, yeah. Facebook's ruined everything for so many people. Yeah, but we, <laughs> I'll leave that part out, Richard. Yeah, no, we don't need to go down that path. Yeah. So Sarah, you said, you know, you were following people. Who are some of the people that you, or who are the people you like to follow? Because I, I think everybody who does podcasts or LinkedIn or looking to build this always likes to find somebody new to listen to or, or to learn from. So who do you like uh, listening to and learning from? Um, I really loved the sales development podcast by David Delaney, 10 Bound. Um, he was one of the first sales podcasts that I listened to and his voice is very nice to listen to. He has a great voice and also the sales content he was putting out. I resonated with because it was solely focused on sales development, sales and sales development can be two different things. If you're driving pipeline as an SDR versus selling contracts for free delay that, that it's very different inner workings. And so I started following his podcast and then following him on LinkedIn Obviously, Richard Harris, Scott Lease, <laughs> two people that I like to follow, as well as Josh Braun. I, I've been seeing his content so much more now. 
it's like the algorithm sees me like one thing and, and keeps sending me stuff by Josh Braun and I love it. Um, I love people that are very transparent in their wording. Um, how, do you, how, can you, how can you tell, tell in, for you, like how do you tell when somebody's being transparent or not? I've been seeing all these posts recently where people are sort of, sort of saying, I know that you folks out there like are, you know, have bots running all this stuff. Like we can see you. I'm thinking to myself, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can't tell if somebody has a, a bot running stuff for them. I certainly don't. But like, how do you, how, do, how can you tell if somebody's being um, authentic or, or real? Like what, what speaks to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I feel like a lot of times transparency can be a little bit of a buzzword on social media where it's like, how do you know if someone's being transparent? If you don't actually know them as a human being, you only see their posts. So right. how do you know? And so a lot of times it can be multiple different factors. I mean, I watch a lot of Josh Braun's videos and just the way he's portrayed in those videos and the language and style of his posts go hand in hand. So he maintains a consistent message is what I've always seen. And so if this person is always adds humor to their posts and you just see consistency from them. I, I feel like that is transparent as well. If, if they're saying, Hey, uh, give me a call. Here's my phone number. Message me. I'll help you all these things. I get it. People are busy, but if you reach out to that person and they don't respond to you or they give you kind of like no sort of response, it, it, that's another thing for me where it's like, I'm busy too. Every I'm arguably people are way busier than I am, but if you are preaching something on the platform, but you're also just like not giving back to people like you're saying that you are, I don't yeah. see that as very transparent. And I've come across both types of people on the platform. So that's another thing too. What, um, do you remember your first post on LinkedIn or your first video maybe? Um, I, I think my first post was, it was most likely centered around cold calling, I believe. I think someone had hung up on me early on. Oh, I remember and, that post of yours. Yep. Yeah, that one got some really, that was, if we want to talk about like posts that got a ton of traction, Yeah. Um, that was one that really stuck out to me. I think I, a lot of my posts, I, I kind of like to start it in the sense of like a story or like hooking someone at the beginning in maybe like a funny manner. And so what had happened, you had commented on this post, Richard, where I said, hey, it's Sarah from Direct, and they hung up on me. Right. And um, I was like, what did I do wrong? Like, were they just having a bad day? Was it my voice? What is it? And I, at the end of the post, I said, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I was doing my job. Like, what would be wrong with me is to let that stop me from picking the phone up again. That okay. would be wrong. And so I kind of at the end asked just like a very open-ended, like, what do you think about this? And it went off. I think people just really resonated with the fact of like, you can't contr always control if someone's going to hang up on you, but like you can control whether or not you're going to let that affect your entire day. Cause it has affected me negatively yeah. before and I didn't want that to happen. And it was cool that it resonated with so many people. So yeah, I, mean, I, th I think anybody in sales can relate to um, the rejection and the, the like having to protect your self-confidence and all that on all that kind of stuff and that so it doesn't it, it makes sense to me that that kind of post would would resonate people love those stories and and they love to kind of share and like the group wallow just for a second and yep, then yep. get picked back up by everybody who's like you know that happened to me too shake it off right 
we, we, we all kind of, as a community of people, I think, thrive on that kind of back and forth and that kind of interaction. How do you, Sarah, what are, what are two or three things if you're having a down day, if you want to give people advice who are getting started in sales and they are having that initial rejection, right? First, second week on the phone, or maybe they've been really successful, but now they're in a slump. What are the things Sarah says to Sarah to keep herself going? I would say, Sarah, um, you can't control other people. You can only control what you do and how you react to what other people do. And so if I'm going into a cold call and someone hangs up on me and I feel like I didn't do a very good job. It was, it's very easy for me to kind of get in this cycle of like, am I actually good at this? Like, is that how all my calls have gone? And I've just gotten lucky where it's like, no, you pick up the phone again, you keep trying, you keep doing the repetitions and know that people are going to have a bad day. And maybe you call that it's happened where I've called that person back the next week. I was scared to cause they had hung up on me and was so angry that I called them and I ended up booking a meeting with them down the pipeline and a deal has closed. And so it's like, people have off days, we're all human beings. But I think the number one thing for me is like detaching from it being a personal attack on you. It's not a personal attack on you 90% of the time, unless they saw your name and hated you for some other reason, that's your own problem. But if you're cold calling them, they don't know you and they hang up on you, that's not on you. Like just everything's fine. So. What, 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 for you, what, what is now the hardest part of, of your role as a senior SDR, right? So you, 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 it's, we all have good and bad days, but like you've gone through this, this place now where, you know, you know, it's not about you. It seems like you know how to deal with the rejection and, and, and keep going and not, not lose confidence. So now that you're in the role, what's, what's the, what's the toughest part for you? And, 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 and how are you trying to, to get better at, at that part and and what's next as you look as you look ahead like where do you want to take your career next yeah I would say after being in this role I've been in this role for about 15 months now and I think it's when I've done my research before I call a prospect and they're checking off all the boxes of someone that needs to talk to me and needs our help and you call them and try your best to handle all the objections and they're just not seeing it in your point of view. It's probably one of the most frustrating things in the world when you're like, you check off all the boxes as someone that definitely needs our help answering all the questions that I asked you and you're still not about it. You won't even take a meeting with me. Um, I think it's those type of things where I talk to enough people who definitely need what we're selling or like are in the same position as you are, but they're just not resonating with how I'm telling the story or maybe it's the questions I'm asking where it's what's worked for me so many times in the past doesn't always work. And I think that's a, a huge pill to swallow where it's like each person that you call is going to be different just because you have tenure in a position and are know what you're selling and, and know what they need. It's not always going to go in your favor. So, so what are the things that you're doing now to try to, <clears throat> try to overcome that and try to get better at that I, point. You know, I mean, I, no one's ever going to be perfect. We're all yeah, going yeah. go to go like that, right? Agreed. Um, I think for me, it's asking better questions. Whereas before I was kind of, I was answering questions that were easy to like say no, like, oh, do you, do you need more MQLs? They're like, no, we're good. Hang up. Whereas a question would be like, if we were able to increase your MQLs by 25%, this quarter, would that impact your business? Would that get you closer to your goals? You can't really say no to a question like that. So they're saying, well, yeah, it would. And then asking maybe another question to, to try to like, 
like slowly earn their trust um, is something that I've been trying to do better, asking better questions, asking questions that prove that I'm an authority and understand their business, uh, very thoughtful questions, if that makes sense. Not just like, hey, do you need this? Like, no, just asking yeah. more questions um, like that. I've been trying to do more and it's been helpful. Great. And, and, what, and what's next? Where do you want to go? Next. That's it. That's are, you, it. Are, you on the, are you on the path towards AE? Do you, do you see yourself one day getting into sales leadership? Do you want to eventually go back to marketing, kind of where you started and take the thing full circle? Or are you un, undecided? Undecided would be a bad answer, by the way. If Richard and I were coaching somebody, don't be undecided. I, would I, like it. I like it when someone tells me what the bad answer is so I can stay away from it. So I appreciate yeah. that. Well, Richard thinks it's fine. I, I 100% don't think I, it's fine. So. I, I think you still got a little bit of time before you need to decide. It's kind of like being a freshman. Yeah, you, make, yeah, you make a decision and then you change the decision. Yeah. Scott, That's you, a different you, way to frame it, Richard. you declare your major your freshman year? Come on. Did you, Scott? I made a decision and then I changed it. There That's you all. go. That's, That's all. That's all I'm saying. I was very confident in the initial decision, though. It's just yeah. a different way to frame it. Anyway, Sarah. Yeah, back to Sarah, who, who people really want to hear from. <laughs> um, this is interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, one of our account executives, because the normal, quote unquote, normal path for an SDR is to go to an AE and be in a closing role. But like we mentioned, it, the options are endless. Um, one of our account executives was in a closing role taking mostly inbound leads they had actually turned him inwards. So now he is more on the referrals um, and upsells types of business. And he flies out to clients. It's very client relational. And um, we don't necessarily have like a word for that here yet, but I would compare it heavily to customer success. Yeah. Um, have like working with clients, putting out fires that there is any building solid relationships being the liaison between the company and the client. And now that we're getting more clients, he's having to fly a lot of places and has a lot on his plate. And I'm like, Hmm, do you maybe need someone on your team? We can call this customer success and roll with it. And so I think something that fascinates me is working with current clients talking to people who want to talk to me a little more than someone I, I cold call in the middle of the day on a yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> and and um, I think because I have been solely outbound as an SDR, um, it, it really excites me to be able to work with current clients and share the passion that I've shared to people who didn't even know me with people who know directive and build on that with them. Um, I think is exciting. We don't necessarily have a spot open for that, but I think if I try to like, weasel my way in or, or talk about my passions, then um, maybe they could figure something out. Yeah, I mean, it's so much easier to grow and keep a client than it is to find a new one, right? So mm -hmm. once you have those clients, um, you kind of have to do whatever it takes. And my, my second client ever was Gainsight when they had 12 employees. Um, you know, my favorite story to say is I should have taken stock instead of money, but, um, <laughs> you know, but, but Nick has, done an amazing job and you're and you're spot on is like yeah i know i i know you kind of got excited about jumping on the plane and sort of the, the the excitement of traveling and all that which i think is great but um it's still really about that relationship and fostering that growth mentality which i think is the most important thing 
um, and maintaining those customers and making sure that they're happy and understanding that. And then in that role, even becoming the feedback loop back to product marketing, back to marketing, back to the SDR. Like that's the one beautiful thing about that role is that there's so much knowledge that the entire company can leverage um, to continue to grow the company that it's, it really is, it's an amazing category. So I, I think that's a, a fun place if you can get into that role. I think that's great. I think you'd do really well at it just having known you for the last year or so. So ah, thank you. Yeah. appreciate the encouragement. I, I have a question for you. And, and I, we didn't ask you this, but what got a question for us? What can we do to help you? Like you've been really kind to come on and give us your time to be yeah. on the podcast. So uh, we certainly want to get back to you in a way that's maybe different than other podcasts people listen to. Yeah, I would say um, what skills, like if I was to leave sales or go into a different role, like what are the, the top couple skills that you think are truly transferable to other positions? Like what, what are the skills that you learned in sales that you're like, I could really take this anywhere and and do well with these skills. Maybe like one or, or two that stick Scott's out. Scott's going to answer this because he's managed people more than I have recently. All so right, Scott. I can see him and he's <laughs> chomping at the bit. Chomp, Scott's yeah. ready to jump on this one. Well, you know, she's, she's like, if I leave sales and go to another role, like what's the one skill that's most transferable? I'm thinking, well, fucking sales is the most transferable <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, you you're already working on it. Yeah, duh. Like, you know, go be a, a CEO of some company. Like, you gotta, you gotta sell. You go be marketing, you're selling something. So you're always selling. You're parenting, you're selling. Trust Richard and I on, on that one. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I, I think understanding people is probably the most important skill that you can transfer. And, and genuinely, having an interest in, in who your colleagues are and your, and your teammates and your customers and genuinely, genuinely wanting to help them figure things out and, and just improve their lives in a, in a meaningful way. Um, anything from helping them make, you know, small, tiny, you know, life decisions that, that are a little better than are often found on sales floors. Um, to you know, speaking to potential customers and prospects, and like genuinely caring about about their business and, and helping them out, um, and helping navigate somebody's career. You know, one of the the most rewarding things for 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 me personally in all the you know kind of head of sales, VP of sales roles I've had is is watching somebody and working with somebody you know even like yourself who's got a year and a half of experience now. And watching them grow from SDR to AE or to customer success rep and then, <clears throat> you know, the director of customer success one day um, and just feeling like you made an impact. So, you know, you got to work on understanding humans and, and you get there by asking the right questions, which is a sales skill. You get there by listening better, which should also be a sales skill, right? And just taking the time to, to get to know people and, and putting their needs ahead of yours. Um, you end up getting what you want, I think, if, if you help enough, enough other people get what you want. Yeah. I, would, I would go so far as to say, um, and, and you've already started it, is for a little while, unless you've already done this, double down on the disc stuff, right? Go back and study it some more, learn some more. 
because it, it will help you do the things Scott's talking about, right? You can do a better job of active listening when you know what to listen for. Um, and you can really look at that, as you said, sort of at, at that personality level. Um, so I think that's good. If you've, if you've, you know, for lack of a better word, mastered disc or you're bored with it, um, look at some other personality tests. I think Strength Finders 2.0 is a really fun one. I think, um, I think Divine, there's one called Disc, which is sort of like an, uh, an X-ray. And then there's Divine, which is like an MRI, which goes even deeper. Um, so I think those things will be really, really helpful. Um, because to Scott's point, like you got to be able to listen to what these people are saying and being able to check your own ego because you know what other egos are doing is really, really helpful in that role. Uh, that's transferable, whether it's in sales or marketing and whether people are like it or not, people are always selling. Even engineers have to sell their idea to their boss or the product engineer has to sell that this is what they think is the next thing based on the data they've collected. So everybody's in some kind of a, you know, position to present their ideas um, in that way. So I think those things are really, really important and you got to know who you're dealing with. So, yeah. Um, so Sarah, so we're, we're coming to the end of our, our, our show here today. Tell everybody, you know, how they can connect with you. Where, where's the best place to find you and, and learn more about you and follow your career and, and your insights that you share with everybody. I'm sure it's Instagram, right? Right. Right. It's Snapchat actually. Um, <laughs> So you can find me on LinkedIn, um, and I believe I'm looking at what my like actual. So it's LinkedIn.com/in/ Sarah J Drake. There are about a hundred thousand Sarah Drakes in this world. It's not. It's a very common name. So find Sarah, Sarah Drake at Directive, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, or Sarah Drake Directive. Um, Orange County. Orange County. Orange County. OC. OC, and connect with me. Um, just say, Hey, I love adding people to my network sales or, or whatever, but yeah, connect with me on there and yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Listen to us talk the past yeah. hour. Or so. Sarah, this has been great. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Hannah, thank you for letting Sarah come on. Uh, listen to, listen to Sarah more often, Hannah. That's my advice. She knows what she's doing. Um, but thank you again for coming on. We appreciate it. And oh, one last question, you know, are you going to get to come down to surf and sales in February? Are you coming? I'm definitely, I'm definitely thinking about it. I'm going to have to put some extra money away from the paycheck and I am God awful at sales uh, at, sur at surfing. You have to cut that part out. No, I'm no, no. We're leaving it in. We're I'm being authentic. We're being transparent. We are. We yeah. are so transparent. <laughs> at the end of all of this, Sarah's bad at sales. No, she's not. Uh, <laughs> I'm bad at surfing. But if you can teach me some surfing and some sales, I'm definitely going to consider it. Um, if you've considered going to surf and sales, do it. I've heard nothing but incredible things about it. Um, invest in yourself and it'll take you far. So. Hannah, that was as much for you as it was for Sarah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sarah. Thanks, right, Sarah. Guys. Talk to you later. Thank you so much.